Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the scum to my villainy, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. I've got Dragon Quest Builders 2 on the brain. I can't imagine why. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, let's go ahead and get started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and help us keep this little parade of love that we call a show every two weeks. Unless one of us gets sucked into Dragon's Quest. (laughs) And Jonathan, I wish you a heartfelt and happy National Whistleblowers Day. Wow. I didn't realize that had a day. That that does. That does. July 30th commemorates the day our founding fathers recognize the need to protect courageous whistleblowers who take notice and step forward to report corruption when they see it. Uh, So yes, if you want to learn more about whistleblowers... And whistleblower protections use the hashtag National Whistleblower Day. July 30th, 1778, the Continental Congress passed a historic and unanimous resolution honoring 10 sailors and Marines who spoke out against their commander's abuses of office. Wow. I had no idea. Old school, sir. Old school. it, It was history. I thought you'd like that. I do like that. Although part of me wants to, you know, license the more you know music. I mean, that would be amazing. That might be worth an investment. It'll help us, help us license officially the more you know music by becoming a patron over at Patreon. Hey, Jonathan, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Do you have a fun liquor fact? Uh, or or do, we sure. need to, do we need to let the ship sail? Or, or do you got something? Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I'm sure I can figure something out here. Oh, how about uh, a little something about the dangers of alcohol? No, alcohol is dangerous. If you drink it in excess, you can poison and kill yourself. That's not a fun fact, Jonathan. That's a depressing one. Well, no, I was going to go with more uh, along the lines of the country with the most alcohol-related deaths in the world. Okay, go on. What do you think it is? Um, Take a wild guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Australia. No, that's a good guess, but uh, especially since the entire country wants to kill you. No, it's Russia. With over uh, 500,000 alcohol-related deaths every year. Yeah, the homeland of vodka. I could see that happening. That That's a high proof. That is a high proof. proof. I, I see what you did there. Clever. Ha! Clever. Ha-ba-da-bum-bum. Well played, sir. Well played. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Well, it is, of course, now time for our off-the-shelf segment. This is the segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've taken off of our shelf, put onto our tables, and gently let into our hearts. Robert, I'm going to let you decide the order this time, since you're always giving me a hard time about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start with other. I'm going to shake it up. I'm really going to shake it up. I Part of me really want to say, let's shake it up and start with video games. But you know what? You know what? No. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold on to that. Uh, so other, uh, San Diego Comic-Con was over the weekend, and a yes, lot of genre news so came out. So much news. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of my news, actually, gaming-related news, oddly came out of SD, SDCC. There you go. 
one thing that's firmly in our other because it doesn't apply to anything we normally do. They did a full trailer and some art about the Steven Universe movie, which will be out September 2nd. And I am very excited because I love that show. It is delightful. My question is, can it be any more horrifying than the Door of the Explorer trailer? No, it's really well, it's not a live action movie, so it's it's fine. Have you seen that trailer? I have seen that trailer. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, College Humor did like a joke trailer about that like three, four years ago. And it's oddly, I, I honestly can't tell which one's the real one. Yeah, because because it's that much of a horror. But I'm not talking about that positive podcast. I'm talking about Steven Universe. Can't wait. They're going to they're going to time skip two years into the future in that show. So so the kid who, who voices Steven doesn't have to talk like, you know, his, you know, 12 year old self anymore. He can use his, you know, 17 year old voice. I don't know. <laughs> 17 year old sex, sexy man voice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for that guy. He's, he's done a really good job maintaining the voice, but I, I know he, they, he got the job when he was 12 and he does not sound like that anymore. So he has to like raise it an octave and, you know, <laughs> try hard. And I'm, I feel bad for that guy because making your 12 year old voice, that must be rough. Can't be any rougher than making my 42-year-old voice when uh, the allergens are going through the roof again here in Austin. That's just called Austin, sir. You don't even get a buy for that anymore. And I'm not going to call the dude out, but uh, a guy I follow on Twitter who I really, really like, he's an excellent writer of video games, pissed me off the other day. Uh, So I'm just going to let this PSA fly. Uh, If you see a poor parent on a plane with a baby, uh, they're not there to, uh, you know, make your day bad. Uh, their day is already bad. Just try to have pity. It's a plane flight. Even if it's a long one, you know, wherever you're going, you're going to have way more fun than, you know, just put on some headphones and let it ride. It'll be fine. Okay. Not going to call the guy out positive podcast, but you know, be nice to the flying parents. It's, it's not fun. I've been that parent and it sucks. No, it is not. And I have been too. And it, you're absolutely right. It is maybe one of the worst things in the world. And the phrase was, my flight was almost ruined. And I'm like, no, your flight was almost ruined. If your flight almost crashes and everybody dies, fiery death, that's almost ruined. Babies are just annoying for a few hours. And again, headphone technology has come a long way, baby. I'm just Honestly, I've been on plenty of flights with adults that are just as bad as small children. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what it is about my face, but every time I get on an airplane, I end up right next to the person that just wants to tell me about their life story and all the wonderful things they've done. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You you do have that kind of aura about you, sir. I don't know why. There's just something huggable about you. Yeah, I, I got it too, man. I got it too. I, I don't know what it is. It's weird. But there you go. All right. Well, since I'm I am at the wheel, uh we're gonna we're gonna kick it over to movies and TV. Jonathan, what have you been watching? In the movies and TV front, not a ton. Uh the kids and I have watched a little bit more Enterprise. Nice. Um, still in the first season though, so we all know how that ends <laughs> for us fans. Uh, way better than the way season four ended. Ah, I see what ah, you did there. Yeah, I see what you did there. All good things was terrible. Okay, go on. Or not all good things. It was uh, these are the voyages. These are the voyages. That's the episode title. What's this other thing? V- VFX react. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a. I found another show on YouTube. Uh, if you remember, I, I recently discovered the Hot Ones, and I was having a really good time with that. So this is a show by uh, some folks at a um, VFX house called Corridor Digital. Oh yeah, and they react to special effects from stuff. Yeah, so it's VFX artists react to uh, special effects, both bad and good. 
And uh, let me tell you, uh, it is uh, genuinely interesting. And I know a fair amount of information about uh, CG effects and whatnot. And even I have learned quite a bit. Uh, they are very interesting and they, they take you through the process too, which is really cool. Like you, you do end up learning quite a bit about uh, visual effects. Well, Jonathan, allow me to welcome you to the year 2010 and YouTube shows and videos. It's, it's quite a, a thing to explore. I could recommend a few more. I am uh, officially a convert at this point. Well, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we've been uh, continuing with Stranger Things over in this house. Uh, me and the wife finished season three on our own because uh, my daughter went to Girl Scout camp and I wasn't going to watch it with her because I had to know because I kept accidentally reading spoilers just by going through the various sites that I go through and it was pissing me off. Yeah, uh, season three was quite good, quite good. Uh, I think we're going to talk about it next time. We're going to have a we're going to give people one is more that, episode. Is that to have when it. we're going to do it officially? Yeah, you said two episodes. That was last episode. So two episodes would be next episode. All right. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Season two, uh, we're almost done with that. And then I, I guess we're going to start fresh from the beginning of season one. Although seeing how that season ended, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't let the daughter watch it. The uh, The creature in that is kind of horrifying. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We'll leave it till next time. It's definitely more horrifying than anything they did in seasons two and three. One and two, you mean? Or... Oh, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, uh, sorry. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to say yes. yes, I agree. I concur. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that for our, our spoiler field one. Cool, cool. All right. Am I still am I still running the show? You gave me the reins. Do you want them back? No, no, I'm good. What do you want to choose next? I'm just letting you make the choices since you're always yelling at me. All right. Well, you know what? Let's uh, Let's get the 800-pound gorilla out of the way. Uh, let's talk about video games, Jonathan. Uh, I mean, not a ton to discuss, uh, for me. I have been playing, uh, Apex pretty regularly. Uh, I'm loving the new season. I really like the new changes they made. They did a rebalance of some, of some weapons and some weapons that, uh, I thought were trash are now completely viable, which is really fun. That, that, that pistol shotgun, is it any good? Cause no, I no, the Mozambique is still terrible. Nobody, nobody <laughs> uses the Mozambique. It looks so cool, though. I want to use it so bad. But even the game hates the Mozambique, because if you look at the animation of the characters, when they drop other guns, they just kind of casually drop them. But everybody actively like throws the Mozambique down in disgust. That's what the animation <laughs> is. <laughs> nice. Nobody likes it. It's pretty useless, unless you get it hopped up. Uh, I, I picked up a gold Mozambique once, and that was that was fun. And then aside from that, I uh, I downloaded the World uh, World of Warships on the consoles, and uh, yeah, got sucked back into that world. I'm having a good time. Yeah, I, I was on that that train for a good month month or two. Yeah, I have spent no money, and I've got a battleship, and I just tool around in it and uh, blow things up with my main main cannons. It's good times. Well, Jonathan, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Dragon Quest Builders two released uh, a week. H- ago. Hadn't heard, hadn't heard. Yeah, literally, I have yeah. not heard from you in a month. Not a month, a week. It, it was last. It was last Friday. It might as well be a month, Robert. We talk like eighty-seven times a day, and I haven't had anything. It was a week ago, Friday. Okay, well, okay. One thing was uh, the family and I had some like family trips also in there. We we took the boys camping for the first time, so that that was also peppered in there. Uh, which uh, which that could have gone better, although it can't have been that bad because Gina and I are now talking about trip two, and and you know that we're gonna do it. So we'll see how that goes. Mistakes were made. <laughs> so yeah, I've I, I also have just been busy. I, I've had a lot of stuff on my plate. But uh yeah, yeah, Dragon Quest Builders 2. 
I have been playing that game way too much. I, I actually beat it today. Looking on the internet, I'm among the first, which is kind of frightening as a 40-year-old man with three children. I have been really slacking off, apparently. <laughs> How's Gina feel about it? That's really, that's really the most telling thing that I can ask. Okay, so my saving grace, and this is like the best thing ever, uh, when I got her to do the Dragon Quest podcast, which has kind of fizzled out at this point, she got familiar with the 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 series enough by by playing the first three games that she actually has a really good time watching it because she recognizes a lot of stuff. And we we talk about fluff and lore because, you know, there's a reason I married her. We like fluff and lore. So it's it's fun. Like we've had really we we we've been having this sort of talk about it's mostly me, but is this a sequel to Dragon Quest Builders one or is it a sequel to Dragon Quest two? And and yeah, it's it's been good times. So she she doesn't hate me too much right now. Shades me a little. I've been I've been up way too late and probably a little testy from it and kind of slacking in in some of my my adulting duties. But uh, yeah, it should it should in theory get better. We will see. Because the problem is beating the main plot doesn't really mean ter- it's like a it's like beating the single player ga- uh, campaign in like a Call of Duty game or something. You know, there's still the the other thing that it does, which in this case is like you know the mine the Minecraft style building which is still there and there's still plenty of stuff to do in that, you know? So we will, we will see how much the wife hates me in the future, but so far so good. Cross my fingers. <laughs> I would talk about it more cause I have opinions, but, uh, I know at least one of our listeners, uh, who I know personally and could deliver a, a kick in the feels or in the nuts. If I spoil anything is still playing the game. So I will leave it at that. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Don't get me in the gonads. That was almost a facetious high. <laughs> almost. M- much like Dragon Quest Two, I I'm oddly looking forward to the next one more than what's going on now because, like, the first one they you know they kind of like tried to do their own thing and kind of make a a Minecraft like a mix a JRPG with Minecraft to make something new. And in this one, they've like really amped that up a lot. There's a lot more plot and story in this game and they screwed up a little bit in points, but the next one, much like dragon quest three, I think is where they're going to like refine the template and just like nail it. Like I got that feeling and I, and it's weird to say like, I want the next game more than I want to keep playing this one, but I kind of do like if they make another one, I think they're going to just nail exactly what this sort of new hybrid genre they've invented needs to be. And that's kind of cool. What is this plot and story you speak of? Surely nothing that we need in our lives. (laughs) No, the story was really like, well, okay. Except for this one middle part that I hated. So Dragon Quest always has kind of like some problematic elements in it, you know, with, uh, with some of the humor that just doesn't work as well. And, you know, it was, I guess, funny in 1980, but in 2019, it's just not quite as, as good, you know? Like, like, uh, it does that classic anime trope of, of, uh, people trying to peep on women while they're bathing. Like that pops up a lot in anime and it pops up a lot in this game. And like every bad trope I don't like in dragon quest came up in this one part a lot. And I, I hated it <laughs> and I, I, I blew through that and I didn't really even pay attention to what was going on. I was just, I hated that part so much. It was sandwiched with much better stuff. So I, I, I went out on a high note. It was, it was more of what I like before and after that. So I guess that's fine. My people built a pyramid and I'm filling the inside of it with, uh, I've decided to make it into the hotel Luxor and just fill it up with, with insanity and shops and stuff. 
make it a tourist attraction with a hotel. You mean like the, the one from Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it into Luxor. I'm very excited. I'm currently working towards that. I mean, I can get behind that. I, I understand. I, I've been stressing about how to make a hotel in that game, and I think I figured it out. So I've got plans. Oh, 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 okay. But you like this. You know what the best part of that game is? With all of the features that they could have added into the game, what's the one that was just sorely needed, Jonathan? What was the one that they had to add in that us fans were demanding, right? I don't know. I've, I've never played one of, uh, one of the games. Okay. So in the game, you can get villagers, right? And they can come to your village and you could give them rooms and they eat and they sleep and they can do jobs. Like they'll, they'll go places and do jobs. It's, it's quite entertaining, Jonathan. They, you know, they, you can build these little, these little towns with, and they have their routines and it's cool. Cause you build things and you like give them a room and they have a routine. They'll go to their, you know, they wake up in the morning, they go eat. So what was the thing in the first game that we sorely needed that was desperately needed? The can, Jonathan, they put in bathrooms in the game and people go in there and they do their duty, if you catch my meaning. I And it's I'm amazing. So what you're saying is they've, they've had the Call of Duty? Yeah, yeah, they've had the Call of Duty. So here's the thing. It's a Minecraft game, so everything is a resource to be harvested, including the duty. Wow. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't either when it happened. <laughs> so if you click on you can either when you're in medieval era you can just put a pot in the room uh but uh later on you can actually make toilets uh like wooden ones and i think they even have porcelain ones uh with, with one of the dlcs you can click I, I clicked on it right because i thought oh you know like maybe I'll, I'll i'll have my character sit on the pot i'll take a picture it'll be funny uh no i gathered and you know what came out of the toilet jonathan and this was like the most funny i want to say I, nightmare because I, I feel like it i feel close. like it's a nightmare close night soil came out of the potty of course night it did. soil and i don't know what that word means i'm i i kind of want to look it up but i don't really want to look it up and uh, night soil sir is a key component in uh, a lot of the terraforming technology to make infertile like deserty areas have grass in them so yeah put that one together and also incidentally zombies tend to drop it when you kill them so zombies poop in that game too everybody poops robert <laughs> everybody so did i sell you on that game so you because you know you somehow managed to move me a little further away (laughs) but jonathan you can harvest poop i have five children i can do that anytime i please waka 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 nice oh my god (laughs) what is happening you have reading i do not have any reading so i do have reading so I think I've mentioned on the show before how excited I am about the new uh, Dune movie, right? The the Denis Villeneuve movie. I will go out on a limb and say unreasonably excited, but go on. So I've been on a little bit of a Dune kick. Um, I even started watching the, the, the David Lynch Dune movie. Nice. Which is actually, you know what? Let me go ahead and say it. I started it last night. I didn't get a chance to finish it, which is why I didn't put it on the list. But I've watched it so many times. It's not even funny. I had forgotten, having just completed reading the first quarter of Dune, the the, the first half of that movie is actually reasonably uh, a reasonably close translation to the book. They're not leaving anything out. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. For better or worse, actually. Yes, that would be my response <laughs> to it. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of a good thing that is. I'm just saying it's in there. <laughs> And then they go so off the rails later. It's really funny. Yeah, but the first half of the book, the movie, like I started reading the book and I'm, I'm going through the different sections. And I, I, I hadn't remembered how close it really was. I was like, 
You know, the first half of that movie's really close. <laughs> nice. Can't say the same about the second half. True that. True that. I, I wanted to read something, but it was at the library and apparently not at my local branch. So it is still on its way, which makes me sad. But there, uh, I was telling you a little bit about this before we recorded, but I will let our audience know because I actually found the article interesting. Uh, there was a Gizmodo whatever article uh, about uh, the new crop of like young fantasy sci-fi authors who are oh, yeah, you were talking as about much as earlier. Yeah, yeah. Who as much as they, you know, like uh, J.R. Tolkien and, and, you know the Shannara books and all the, the classics, uh, they've are just as much influenced by, you know, JRPGs like final fantasy six and seven because they read them when they were, or they played them when they were kids. And, uh, I found it really interesting and they interviewed a bunch of authors that, uh, you know, were willing to go on the record and saying that. So, uh, because they, they all mentioned a little blurb about all of the books that were in that article. So I went ahead and ordered one from uh, the library, but it has not arrived yet. I wish I could talk about it, but it is not here, but it is called the book of M by Peng Shepard. And uh, hopefully I will tell you how that is soon, but it is not in my hands yet. I'm very sad. <laughs> I went to the library and everything expecting it to be there because I ordered it really early in the week and it's just taking its time. Silly library. I mean, it could be worse, right? Well, yeah, I could have to like, you know, pay for it. I mean, I guess I do pay for it with my taxes, but you know what? You know what? I'm paying for that with my taxes. I'm going to use it. Darn it. Anyway, I'll link that article in the show notes. Maybe it'll get you into a a new author. Uh, There was another author who was in there that her book is coming out soon. uh, And it is called Gideon the Ninth. And it comes out in what's what's nine August, September. It comes out in September. So, yeah. I, ha- I have that pre-ordered. I am number six in the library system waiting for that with bated breath. All right. Well, what's what's next, Robert? You know what's next, Jonathan? Just incidentally, since I brought up my library, I'm also in the queue to get an ice cream maker for my library for a week just because. There you go. Just, yeah, yeah. You know who makes ice cream all the time and it's actually really quite good? Hmm. Dale. Mm. He has a gift with the ice cream. Okay. I'm I'm pretty pedestrian in what I like. I like, you know. He makes a vanilla that's frankly to die for. All right. All right, Dale, since you're listening to this. Hi, Dale. Uh, send me your recipe. Maybe we'll put it on the website. You know, that'll be fun. Unless it's a secret, then just send it to me <laughs> and I'll make it. <laughs> and I'll talk about how awesome it is. And then we won't share. And we'll all three have a good laugh at that. All right. Well, let's move on to board games. Do you have any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been playing uh, Not Alone over on the, the board game uh arena i don't know why i said board game geek on that but whatever board game arena yeah not alone uh you should play with us that game is not hard if you're playing it in real life i think it would take 15 20 minutes in real life nice Uh, on board game arena it's quite manageable because you know you can finish it in a couple days (laughs) i just need to remember to go sign up frankly (laughs) that's my only excuse you need to hound me well i had a game night so we actually had quite a bit of stuff out on the table which is uh kind of nice um Taught Century Spice Road to uh, some family members. We had a good time with that. Nice. Uh, Played both the Gollum Edition and the Standard Edition. I am actually really looking forward to going to Gen Con because I would like to get the Gollum Edition of uh, the second game in the the series, Eastern Wonders. Got the grizzled out, and I taught it to uh, Dale when he was over and a couple other folks, and uh, everybody loved it. I love the grizzled, and I don't play it nearly enough. And it deserves so much love. It is such a well-refined and well-designed game. I love it, love it, love it. So more five-minute uh, five dungeon. 
and some more pandemic uh, rapid response, which we've talked about. Some Star Wars Outer Rim, which we'll be talking about later in the episode, so I'm not going to say anything now. And then I heard some sad news, which made me reach uh, up to my shelf to, to take down a game. I heard that Rule and Make, unfortunately, has gone out of business, and they made some really, really fun games. So uh, to kind of raise a glass in their honor, I played Burger Up recently, which is a fun sandwich construction game. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I'm a little bummed out. They made a really, really well put together, well tested game. I'm I'm actually actively bummed out about it. But yeah, Burger Up is fantastic. I'd forgotten what a great game that was. That's a shame. That, that game actually sounded interesting enough that I was I was kind of keeping an eye out for it. And I, I, I don't bet know. you could find the copy. I truly do. And then uh, finally, uh, Dale brought over his copy of Forbidden Sky, which is the third in the Forbidden uh, series of games uh, behind Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. And we, uh, we all played that. A lot of similar themes. Um, some nifty toys in the box that let you form a, a circuit. And so you know you've won when uh, your rocket ship lights up and you get a chance to uh, fire it off and leave, uh, leave the airship. Hmm, Nice. Is it more or less difficult than Forbidden? I haven't played Forbidden the second one either. I've only played Forbidden Island. It's difficult. I don't know if more or less, but it is definitely the classic Forbidden difficult, which is to say that it absolutely hates you and wants you to feel pain and suffering. Okay, nice. Uh, Yeah, and that's about everything I played. Light week. Light my career. That's, That's quite a lot. Well, no, it's just usually we have a lot more to talk about, but I, I, I guess I've been up the up the drain. Well, quest I mean, yeah, you, you put 98 percent of your time into one title and a camping trip. <laughs> you keep saying that we, but we I think did we both go know camping. The truth. I slept overnight in a tent with crying children. It was uh, that part was not fun. Exhilarating, that part was, I think, is the word you're looking for exhilarating my aunt fanny it was it was i i i'm sitting here i'm like i really want to go camping again i'm like why do i want to go camping again i i didn't sleep that was terrible that was terrible that whole day was cursed it's just cursed it started bad at 12 30 in the morning when the kids woke up cold and angry and wanting to take their pajamas off because of course they do what's that We, we finally got him to bed and all that. And then, you know, we were driving home and we forgot my wife's purse about halfway home. So I had to go get it <laughs> uh, after we got home. And uh, it was just, yeah. It, it, yeah. Maybe that's it, Jonathan. Maybe that day was cursed. Maybe the next day won't be. Hmm. Now I'm drumming my fingers and contemplating, doing visual cues for this audio format. And I'm quite skilled. Quite skilled. Well, then, that brings us to the end of a somewhat condensed and to the point off the shelf. We, of course, want to know what you've had off the shelf. And to that end, hop on all of our digital formats and let us know. You will find us surprisingly candid and engaging online. We'd love to chat about what you've been playing. Word. I chat with Ray all the time. That's because Ray is good peoples. Yes, he is. I love you, Ray. I love you, too, Ray. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, it will, of course, be time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. And because we're getting close to Gen Con, that means there's actually things to talk about this week, Robert. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. 
If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back from the break. It is, of course, now time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. This is the segment where we tell you about all the interesting and amazing tabletop news that is hitting the airwaves. And Robert, you're flush with news today, bud. Yeah, no, I told you. I, I, I told you that San Diego Comic-Con uh, gave us some news. So here we go. First thing, uh, Wizard announced over at San Diego Comic-Con the new magic set, The Throne of Eldorain, which... There was a fun story. So apparently they announced it on Friday, right? So here's the story that of what that insanity caused over the four days of San Diego Comic-Con. So what they handed out was they handed out a like a little invitation thing. It was purple. It had some like fairies on it. And it said, and I will quote it precisely, the royal courts of Eldorane request the honor of your presence. And then you flip it open. And on the inside, it says the throne of Eldorane. And it gives you the pre-release date of September 28th. And then there were like some fairies on the inside. They were blue. They were armed. Like some of them had shields and little swords. They were cute, but they were like blue skinned and glittery. Right. Okay. That is literally all they got. Right. Yeah. They've spoiled some art since then, but yeah, that is all we had over San Diego comic-con. So they say that on a Friday, by the end of the day, several magic sites had been like, you know, there's fairies on this. Maybe there'll be fairies in the next set. I don't know. Maybe there'll be like a fairy tribe in the next set. Maybe they'll start reprinting a bunch of the fairy cards from uh, one uh, the the Lorwyn set. Maybe everybody should just start buying all the fairy cards from the Lorwyn set. And so by Saturday, the price of all of the fairy cards and like the fairy queen cards and some of the older sets had skyrocketed <laughs> on the baseless speculation that this set had a fairy tribe in it. It got so fevered that uh, Mark Rosewater, lead designer of uh, Magic the Gathering, had to come out and tweet, and I quote, Since the only hint about the world besides the name, the assumption was made that fairies must matter a lot to the world. They're there. There are fairies in the set, but nowhere at the volume or importance that people seem to be assuming. End quote. And then all of those fairies tanked the- <laughs> immediately after that. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be laughing, but that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. That is legitimately funny. <laughs> so uh, we found out a little bit more since then. Uh, what they have said is uh, the Throne of Eldorane is based off of fairy tales and Arthurian lore. So there's been some knights and there's been some fairy tales. So I, I sent you some art earlier today. I sent you that that picture that's uh, totally not Goldilocks. And she yeah, she definitely had, not. Totally not. You're absolutely and right. And she has all the, like those bear heads on the wall and a bear rug <laughs> and a big bloody knife. <laughs> I thought that was one of the best images I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that that evil sort of slightly sinister fairy looking uh, lady of the lake in that one yeah. image with a glowing. That sword. actually is my favorite of everything you sent me today. Yeah. Yeah. No, the art looks really rad. So, um, yeah, I I keep saying I'm not going to buy the next art book. You know, I keep saying it because I'm like, I don't need to keep buying these art books. And I'm yeah, no, I, I am all about Arthurian legend and I'm all about fairy tales like this is this is perfect. If you like dark, messed up fairy tales, I highly, highly suggest uh, the original Witcher book, The Last Wish, 
which is just a collection of short stories. Uh, the original short stories were just the Witcher encounters fairy tales that are dark, violent, and sexy. Go. And it's really, Speaking really of which, good. Did you see the Witcher trailer? No, I haven't watched that yet. All right. We're, we'll discuss next episode. There you go. Throne of Eldraine coming soon from Wizards of the Coast. And uh, yeah, I, I will be buying that art book because, yeah, fairy tales, Arthurian lore. That sounds so much fun. All right. Well, uh, my first piece of news is kind of interesting. Um, we all know that uh, Fantasy Flight has been revising X-Wing and we're getting the second generation. Well, they are now finally announcing support for huge models and epic battle modes in second edition. And it looks awesome. Is this like the uh, the Blockade Runner? Yeah, exactly. That's those, those big okay. capital ship models. Nice. So, yeah, I think I saw this. They're re-releasing it with the updated stuff and, and all that jazz. Yes, exactly. Nice. Nice. Cool, cool. I like that model. It was cute. That model's dope. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Blockade Runner's red. Well, this is something I, I didn't see the initial uh, pitch on, but Funko Pop reveals its board game lineup. So I had no idea that the pops were, were yeah, were, they, uh, they, they bought a game company. Not yes. They bought out a company called forest Pusen LLC. And this is, and I know I'm not like the board game guy here, but this is why it perked my interest. Uh, so forest Pusen Pusen whatever they, uh, what their thing is, is they're a design firm and companies go to them and say, Hey, we have this IP or this thing, design a game around it. Okay. So the games that they have designed, not published, not arranged the art for just made the rules set for, are things like Disney's Villainous, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, the Choose Your Own Adventure games, and here we go, Jonathan, Bob Ross, The Art of Chill. Well, there you go. So all the more reason to be excited. Right. So that the so uh, Funko Pop bought that company, and they made them their in-house development. So the first crop of games in the Funkoverse, uh, all the, the figures are going to be three-inch Funko Pop collectible, I guess, miniatures, because they're only going to appear in those board games. So if you're a collector of those, you'll need to get them to get them. And they've got quite the eclectic uh, lineup for their first four games. So, so here you go. Which one of these, Jonathan, is not like the other? They're going to have a Harry Potter game. They're going to have a DC Comics game, which looks mostly Batman-inspired. They're going to have a Rick and Morty game. And rounding them out, they're going to have a Golden Girls game. <laughs> I'm so down. I still need to go buy that Golden Girls game. <laughs> but I found out it's a trivia game, and I don't know that I know Golden Girls well enough to do a trivia game. Yeah, true that, true that. Well, this will be this will be a game game. The prototypes that they showed pictures of the the rules it, it, they look very similar, so it might be like the same rules or something, or like there's a underlying engine underneath them, or maybe not. Who knows? Because they haven't said. All they've said is that they these games should start rolling out to quote major retailers starting in October. Well, good stuff. I am all excited about that. I am totally down. Well, this is a little bit less news and more just my fanboy excitement, but I thought I'd say it on the podcast. Everybody should head on over to Dice Tower because they have a preview of the game that I'm probably most looking forward to in the near future, and that is Return to Dark Tower. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. I am actually very curious about that. Does it have the box and everything? Like, like uh, They do have box art up now. And no, no, but like awesome. the, the tower that you push the buttons and does stuff. Uh, it, it's going to have an app. Uh, well, that makes more sense. <laughs> it does in 2019. Funny how that yeah, works. Out. Yeah. No, I was, I was all excited about a computer and then you just say, oh, it's going to have an app instead. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that would work way better. Is there going to be like a cozy that you could set your phone in that is the dark? T- Cause they got no, but the there's going to be a big old robotic cube tower in the middle and it's going to have like rotating rings and a bunch of stuff. And it's from the designers of uh, a game called beasts of balance. 
fun prop in the center. That's all I wanted to hear. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then the game's going to use an app, which will then communicate with the tower, turning the rings um, towards specific players in specific regions. <laughs> nice. So there will be a giant, complicated toy in the middle. And it's, uh, I don't know, I'm really excited. Cool. We'll tell you what, since this is a, a piece of techno news, I will follow up with my piece of techno news. Simon and a company called Explored are working on a project called T-E-B-U-R-U, Tebru, Tebru, Tebru. I don't know how to say that, Jonathan. Uh, I'm going to go with Tebru. I think I saw this. Let me bring up that. Uh, you, you could click on the link. Yeah, Tebru. Tebru, okay. Physical and digital board Yeah, games. okay. Yep, Tebru, okay. So this is going to be, quote, a gaming console that integrates board game pieces with electronic technology to connect physical and digital platforms. The goal of the new system will be to keep players focused on board game play while Tuburu handles the rules, non-player piece behavior, and storytelling through the app. The new technology that Tuburu offers users is essentially a game state detection system for board game pieces. The console comes with an electronic sensory mat that can be placed underneath a board game. Each physical board game piece is then equipped via magnet with an embedded electronic sensor that relays the piece's position and information through the mat. Tuburu then processes the information with the Game Master app that runs accordingly through a tablet. Players can also run a complimentary companion app on their smartphones that networks to the Game Master app. The companion app allows players to track their own characters and lets the Game Master app uh, throw in-game surprises at them during play. And the first featured game, and this is where Simon comes in, will be Zombicide Evolution Las Vegas. So there you go. The future is now, sir. We, we've got, we've got, yeah. Did, did you hear about Zombicide Las Vegas? I know, I have not. Yeah, it's going to be a campaign-driven uh, version of Zombicide, but it uses all the current stuff, I guess. Well, there you go. And it'll run through technology because we live in the future, minus flying cars. Well, and, and you know what? There's plenty of really good games out on the market right now that show you the perfect balance between not too much technology and uh, plenty of board game. Dude, there's like one that you uh, there's only one you need to look at, which is Mount Mansions of Madness. Like they, they nailed it like that. That is your that is your bar right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about uh, um, not saying any of the others are bad. Don't Lord get me wrong, too. But yeah. I mean, granted, it's based on the same engine. So it's a lot of the same ideas. But but still, it bears mention. Yeah, no, it just it's it's that that's the level of play, you know, like you still need the board, which which is my thing. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen them. I can't tell you how many times I've seen them just forget the board. And it's it's. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, uh, uh, that was the big problem with that um, one game many moons ago. Uh, the one that forgot to be a board game. Uh, Gollum Arcana. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Exilis had the same problem, which was a war game that you didn't need to actually move your models around or paint them or even have them. Take yeah, that's problematic because yeah. then it stops being a board game and it starts being a video game. And, and that's, you know, the, the wrong side of the line to be on. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, the only thing I've got left, Robert, is uh, something that we previewed not too long ago. And that is we have some winners for the Spiel de Yar. Go on. All right. Brace yourself. Are you ready? Uh, I'm holding on white knuckled with bated breath. Uh, bear with me. Let me bring it up. I, I can't bear with you. I'm, I'm white knuckling here, Jonathan. It hurts. You need to, you need to be timely. Snap, snap. All right. Let's see here. I'm getting a cramp now, Jonathan. It hurts. All right. Are you ready for the winner? Of I've been the ready. Kinderspiel de Yar. White knuckled. Bated breath. Go. The winner of Kinderspiel de Yar is Valley of the Vikings. We talked about this last time. Uh, they have everything listed here. Okay. Well, 
then move on. Okay. Well, and then today, just earlier today, uh, we got our Kennerspiel DR, which is the Connoisseur Award, the Enthusiast Award. And that this year is uh, none other than Wingspan, a Jamie Stegmeier joint. Nice. So this is a pretty big deal. I believe this is the first female designer to have ever won uh, uh, a Spiel DR. Nice. And on top of that, I believe I don't know that very many American games have uh, have won. So there's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of history going on here. It's a it's a big deal. Nice, nice. So there you go. Go check out uh, go check out all the write ups on Wingspan. They, um, they they had some really nice things to say about the game. And I think it's a big deal because I do believe that is the first uh, female designer to ever win the award. And that's that's huge. That's a big step forward. I like it. All right. So I got two left, but one of them doesn't really count because it's so short. So we're going to go with the cool one next. Wizards of the Coast announces for the fifth anniversary of D&D fifth edition, they are re-releasing a tyranny of dragons. It will be combined into one book. So Horde of the Dragon Queen and uh, the Rise of Tiamat will be (laughs) one volume which is nice. Uh, it's going to have a new cover by a dude named Hydro 74, which he does a lot of the collector's edition covers, you know? So it's yeah, a very that, kind of, uh, that cover that they were showing off is beautiful. Um, they're going to change the plot a bit because of feedback they received from the first adventure to smooth out a bit of the curve because there were some bits in there that were, were kind of player killers. If you, if you didn't play it right. And that is the truth. Let me tell you when I ran my party through that, I, I definitely had to make some modifications because it just wanted to murder face. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get it. Some of them I get like at the beginning when like the giant army is there and you're trying to like be all sneaky through it. I I, I get that, but yeah, I hope they don't cut that out. I like that bit, but there's some of the random encounters in there that were just rough. That was a bigger issue. I think they said that they were, uh, they, they were trying to work hard to encourage people to be creative with some of the encounters, but they didn't quite, flag that for the players themselves to know so it's it, like it was hey, not Monster the right Sh- choice for a first published module that would yeah. have been something you do two or three down the road yeah agreed agreed yeah and hopefully they cut down that caravan section because i've had so many people say that part's awful to play through it's not fun <laughs> but here's the thing there's a lot of there's a lot in that adventure i like the rest of the adventure is phenomenal. So uh, they're going to include content that was only previously available online. So I know uh, Kabul Press released a, uh, a an adventure that you like were supposed to slide in between two chapters that dealt more with the cloud, uh, the cloud castle, um, if I remember correctly. So maybe that's maybe they they're because that was on the DMs Guild. So maybe they're just going to put that in the book proper. They've also said there's going to be new art and like concept art from the original thing. Um, they're going to also do an editing pass to remove references to rules that didn't actually end up being in fifth edition, <laughs> which was also in that. And, uh, yeah, uh, they also say this is going to be an FLGS exclusive. We'll see how much that holds, but at least the article I read said that was going to be the case. So there you go. Tyranny of dragons 2.0, hopefully, uh, hopefully keeping all the good, none of the bad, uh, coming soon to a game store near you. And last but not least, I thought I'd bring this up. Uh, the nominations for the Diana Jones award came out. And we have decided we're going to talk about that next time as part of our wider Gen Con coverage. So we'll tell you who the winner is and then we'll go over all the nominees because they were all pretty cool. But we'll do that next time. Which means, of course, it is time for our year in the life segment, which means we're hopping in our time machine, which better be in the shape of a phone booth and heading back a year to see what we were doing a year ago. Forgot my dice episode. Nothing. We did nothing, Jonathan, because moving still sucked. 
we uh, we took them. On oh, bus. that's right, because that's right when you were moving into the house. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah, we we came back in late August after uh, after a three four week break. So nothing. <laughs> we were playing nothing, Jonathan. Late August, I think. I think when we came back was right when I started talking about Amelia, because that's about when we started telling people. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Because I knew at Gen Con, but I couldn't tell any of my Gen Con friends, <laughs> which sucked. <laughs> man, you got to be careful. Yeah, nature, man. So yeah, tune back next time, I guess, for uh, when we talk about Forgot My Dice episode 45, creatively titled Secondhand Hanks. Uh, <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I just listened to it recently, So, but we'll talk about that next time. How was it? Was it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Secondhand Hanks. I always liked that title. I thought that was one of our more clever ones. <laughs> Jim Hanks is a treasure, just like his brother. <laughs> See? Every every so often, we are clever. <laughs> and now that we've gotten that out of the way, the rest of the year can continue sucking. Yeah! No, we don't get to continue sucking, sir. That was us being clever a year ago. <laughs> we, we have to come up with all new clever this year. We have to do one. We've we have had to like at least one or two. I think we've had one or two. You sure? No, not even. (laughs) (laughs) So we will return after a short break when we head into the outer rim with the likes of Lando Calrissian and Han Solo and we explore Star Wars outer rim. Can you play Hondo? I came up with that last time and I'm happy. Every time you say Hondo, all I can think about is SWAT. Mm. Now, come on. What if Han and Lando had a baby? Hondo, that that combining that power would be just too bright. It'd burn like the sun. Go downstairs, ask Gina to hit you. Wait for the hit, and then return to me. Uh, no can do, sir. The family's at the playground right now. I am home <sighs> alone. Where's my phone? I'm gonna text her. Go ahead. Go ahead. I like a little abuse from my wife. That's how I roll. <laughs> and I'll take shit that's getting edited out for two hundred dollars. <laughs> now it's gonna stay in. Ah, damn it! (laughs) Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back to the show. It is now time to go deep into space, away from the core world and out to the outer rim. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Whatever, music goes here. (laughs) Music that we can't afford. That's right. That's right. That's why we only get the first five bars of it. Ba, 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 ba. All right, we're done. Ba, no, no, too much, too much, too much. You're committed now. We can't afford this. Ba, ba. Now you got to go back and remix it. Take to the stars and become a living legend in Star Wars Outer Rim, a game of bounty hunters, mercenaries, and smugglers for one to four players. In Outer Rim, you take on the role of an underworld denizen, setting out to make your mark on the galaxy. While the path to victory may be different for scoundrels finding their way, in the Outer Rim, everyone starts from the bottom with a simple starship and dreams of fame. 
During your travels, you will hire legendary Star Wars characters to join your crew, upgrade your ship and gear, and try to become the most famous or infamous outlaw in the galaxy. But it won't be easy since the warring factions of the galaxy roam the Outer Rim, hunting down the scum that have proven to be a thorn in their side, and other scoundrels looking to make their mark see you as the perfect target to bring down to boister their own reputation. Do you have what it takes to survive and become a living legend? In Star Wars, The Outer Rim. You're paying for the bill. You know we can't afford high production quality. <laughs> My singing is far from high production. It's more than we can afford you using the actual notes. <laughs> I can't sing on key. I assure you those are not the actual <laughs> notes. Jonathan, tell me about this game. Tell me how it plays. Do it. All right. Well, uh, you start out, and the first thing you're going to do is you're going to build the map. And the map's kind of interesting. It actually forms a rim. It's a half circle. Uh, and what's nice is it's modular. And even though the initial setup guide gives you a suggested setup for the board, you do have the ability in uh, future games to basically redo the board randomly and have it be mo- completely modular, which can make for a, an interesting variation on the game. This board is going to have a bunch of planets on it, and in between the bl- planets are basically space lanes. Uh, they're uh, tracks that you have to follow. They have certain stops on them, and when you stop on those, uh, certain things will happen. Because this is a very story-driven game. Which is not to say that there's a, an overarching plot. It's, it's telling a different story every single game you play, because there's a bunch of cards in the game, and each of them t- has a, a different narrative uh, kind of vignette. And based on where you're stopping and what's happening in the game, you're going to get a bunch of these vignettes. So every time you play, your um, your experience is going to be a little different, which is really neat. Now, once you get your world set up, you're going to put out some patrol po- tokens. And, and what's going to happen is during the course of the game, these patrol tokens are going to be manipulated by uh, everybody's actions on the board. And there's four of these factions, and they, they range from your, your standard uh, you know rebels and empire, and then there's, there's two crime-based factions, which makes sense in the Outer Rim. Yeah. Um, these patrols are going to get randomly moved around uh, towards the player that activates them based on the actions that you take uh, during the game and where you end up and the stories that unfold. Another thing that will move them is the different upgrades that you can purchase uh, every round. Each of those will have a, a faction associated with them, which will cause you to move that faction. Um, so with these roaming around, it's kind of interesting because if they stop on a player's token, then you're stuck there and you have to interact with them. Uh, and that, that can, you know, again, bring a lot of variation into each play of the game. You're then going to set up your contacts. And what the contacts are is a series of little tokens that you put out upside down, and they go to uh, specific places on the map. They're, they're all color-coded. And once your tokens are all spread out, that's, that's basically going to determine who you're running into on the different planets. And again, it's all variation, which means that every time you play, you're going to get a, a slightly different flavor of, of who's where. Now... In the base game, there's only enough tokens to fill up all the slots, so you're only going to see the same characters every every time you play, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing because there's no reason that you're going to run into everybody every time you play. Right. But uh, it bears mention that that this is a, obviously one of the first places that you'll see an opportunity to do expansions with, and and you'll see that this game is actually pretty uniquely set up to be highly expandable, and it, it's one of the things that has me the most excited uh, about the future of this game. Yeah, that makes sense because. Yeah, you can pull things in from, like, uh, like, uh, like the prequels, you know, like, because uh, they they did a lot of outer rim stuff out there, like, uh, uh, the where they were building Death Star, that was out in the outer rim, wasn't it? And Camino, yeah, for that matter, absolutely. Yeah, 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 that'd be cool. 
uh, a good chunk of the prequels takes out uh, takes place in the outer rim because that's where the separatists held up. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Then you're going to create token supplies, which is pretty straightforward. You've got money tokens, you've got damage tokens, and um, you've got basically marker tokens that you use for a variety of different things. You're going to choose your character. Your character uh, is going to come with a player board. The player boards are are not character specific. Uh, but they help you track everything. But your character is going to have some very specific uh, abilities that are unique to them. You get a little standee to move around. And you're also going to get the opportunity to choose one of two starting ships. And these starting ships do have some differences. They're asymmetrical. Um, and every character is going to have some unique talents. And some co- some are going to come with some additional cards or equipment that is unique to them. Which is, again, another great way that this game um, changes uh, every time you play it, as long as you're you're rotating characters. Nice. Now, the character board has a bunch of different stuff. There's uh, one set of tracks that you use for um, basically tracking your fame, and that's the currency of the game for winning. Uh, the, the you're, you're basically trying to get to a set number of fame. By the end of the game, the first one there wins. Uh, additionally, you're going to have four sliding tokens that are in these dual-layered player boards, and these sliding tokens are going to help you um, basically keep track of how much the different the four different factions of the game like you. And again, that's going to influence how um, interactions with them play out during the game. And I'll give you an example. I'll grab one of the cards here. Okay. All right, so I've just grabbed a random, random character out of the deck here. I just happened to grab Leia Organa. And when you meet her, uh, and this is one of the greatest things this game does, it's highly narrative, right? You get a little bit of flavor text. In a time of fear, we only have one weapon left, hope. Fortunately, that is all that we require. And then you have basically two things that can happen. If you have a positive reputation or a neutral reputation with uh, with the rebels, then Leia allows you to discard her token and gain a job that's listed on her card, which is the rebel prison break. If you do not have a positive or neutral reputation with the rebels, you do not get the chance to gain the job. It's not even something that you, you do. And you can spend 2,000 credits to gain one rebel reputation, bringing up your reputation with the rebels. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> like you run into the rebels and it's like, hey, friend. You're making a donation, a donation to the cause. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like, hey, friend. Fancy meeting you out here in space with our gunboats. Uh, why don't you give us some money? It would really help out the uh, rebellion ball. <laughs> the rebellion ball. <laughs> So that's, a, that's one of the, the reasons why it's important to kind of manage your reputation. There's a lot of things that can influence it. Uh, for instance, some jobs, if you take certain jobs, you're just going to inherently tick off one of, the other, um, one of the other factions in the game. Yeah, that makes sense why there's four of them and, and probably two crime syndicates because if you piss off one, the, the, you know, if you make one mad, the other one's probably going to be happy about that and vice versa. So. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Every, every time I've played the game, I find myself constantly moving these things around. It's like you can't keep everybody happy. It's impossible. You're always irritating someone. <laughs> Very much an allegory for life. <laughs> Except our fighting listeners. And then the final thing that you're going to do is set up a, uh, all of your decks. And there are a ton of decks in this card. There, there's a ton of card decks in this game. Uh, there are no less than uh, six different consumables that you can purchase. These are equipment and modifications, uh, both to your person and to your ship. Uh, and that's really important because uh, the ships have different hard points on them that allow you to make different uh, changes to them. Uh, and again, as you go through the game, you're going to get an opportunity to purchase additional ships. So you're not going to be necessarily stuck with the starting ship that you have. Oh, interesting. And then there's also a bunch of 
planet cards, and there are decks for groupings of two planets on the on the uh, in the game. And depending on what planet you land on, you're going to take one of these cards and you're going to choose. Uh, you're going to read a passage based on whichever planet you landed on and different things can happen. Question. I'm looking at all these different boats that you can get in the game. So do people start off with specific boats? Like I know the Falcons in there. Do you, there there are two starting ships that everybody can choose from and they are, um, everybody gets the, uh, the same two to choose from. So no matter what, you're not starting in a named ship. And even when you pick up, um, a different ship you don't start with a named version of it like if you buy a yt-1300 uh it's just a yt-1300 freighter and you have to meet specific requirements on the card to earn the title and when you do that you actually flip the card over uh for the ship and then there's different stats on the bottom ah how clever and each of the ships has some different stats because they can carry different amounts of cargo. They have different hard points for weaponry. Uh, and most importantly, they have different hyperdrives. And those hyperdrives are really going to determine how quickly you can move around the map. You also, I think you said last time that the characters do that too. They flip over if you get enough fame. Exactly. There's two versions of the characters. And as you gain renown and gain um, and, and finish adventures, you're going to get an opportunity to flip your character over and uh, basically say, say, hey, uh, this is my upgraded character because he comes with all this renown and fame and he has all these additional abilities now. That's clever. I like that. So you could, you know, be because I see Boba Fett's in this, right? He is indeed. Yeah. But you could be Boba Fett and end up on the Millennium Falcon. You can indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Cute. I like it. Anything else about how it plays, Jonathan? Well, basically playing uh, breaks down to three basic steps. There's a planning step. And during the planning step, you get to move, you get, um, or recover damage or gain 2000 credits. That's it. Those are the only three things you can do in that step. When you move, you move based on your hyperdrive, uh, number, whatever the, the, the number associated with your hyperdrive is, is how many spaces you're going to get to move both between, pa- uh, planets and onto planets. The next step is action. And that's when you can perform any number of actions, including buying cards from the market and delivering cargoes and bounties. And that's going to depend. There's, there's no, really no cap on it because there's there's inherently going to be a cap on how many things you can do any given turn because you can't have more than one or two pieces of cargo uh, on most ships and you can't have more than one or two jobs at any given time. And then finally, there's the encounter step where you're going to resolve a single encounter. And that's usually going to be by drawing a, an encounter card from the corresponding space that you're on. So if you're on a planet, you're going to draw from one of the planetary decks. And if you're out in the middle of space, you're going to draw from the just random space deck. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, again, the thing that you're looking for here is fame. You're trying to get fame. And there's a couple different ways that you can get fame. Uh, you can complete goals on character cards and ship sheets. You can complete bounties and jobs. You can deliver illegal cargo. You can win combat against uh, upgraded versions of those patrols because when you first start the game, every, uh, all the patrols are level one. But during the course of the game, they'll have an opportunity to upgrade to level two, three, uh, level two and level three, which will re- reward you with fame if you beat them in combat. And then finally, you can also use cards from the luxury market deck. That's one of the six decks that you can purchase from. Uh, and that will get you fame as well. If you buy some bling. Exactly. Something along those lines. Okay, I want an example from the, the bling deck. Uh, here, let me grab them. Hold on. Okay, so I'm taking something from the luxury deck. I got stolen jewels. This is a cargo. Uh, as an action, you can choose another player in your space and discard this card. You both gain 7,000 credits and one fame. So it's oh. like you're fencing them. 
Yeah, you use another player to to help you to get some uh, to to sell some. Yeah, I like that. That that is very narrative. See, I'm so glad. Here's I asked another that. one. This is a this is a job. Uh, attend a statue dedication. It starts out with some fluff. Your biggest fans would like to erect a statue in your honor on their world. They've asked to, uh, they've asked you to help fund the statue and to attend its dedication. And then, based on your reputation, there's a couple different things that can happen. But ultimately, your reward would be one fame, and um, and then you would be, have the option of spending ten thousand credits to get a second fame by finishing that uh, that particular quest. So basically, that uh, luxury job is uh, you're the hero of Canton, a man they call Jane. They make a mud statue out of you. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> it, 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 the reference does fit. It, it, anything else? Any other rules? No, I mean that's the beauty of this game, Robert. Like that, once you get it set up, the rules themselves are are straightforward as can be. There's almost none. What's great about it is all the variation comes from the stuff that happens on the cards, uh, and a lot of it's going to be skill check based, which gives you an opportunity to do some dice checking, uh, and that's all going to be based on your character and your ship's abilities. So you're you're trying to get fame. Is there is there a cap? Is it like the first person to get to X wins, or how does it work? Yeah, by the the default rules is ten, but you can basically set the length of the game based on how much fame you're going for. Mm, okay, and the 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 tracker goes all the way up to fifteen. So they they do have rules for a longer game. All right, Jonathan. Well, it sounds like we've wrapped that up. So how is the rule book? Well, it comes with two rule books. It's a fantasy flight game. So we get the learn to play guide, and then we get the rules reference. Now, again, this speaks to the the ease of the rules and how quickly you can pick it up. I only ever looked at the learn to play guide. I have not yet had occasion in four games to even look at the rules reference. Everything is as straightforward as can be. This is an extremely intelligently designed game, and it's it's straightforward and to the point and doesn't leave a lot to interpretation. Index, the usual or uh... no, no index, no table of contents. But I have to tell you, I've I've never I've never been at a loss to figure out where I needed to to be in that in that book. Okay. But of course, the rules reference is basically one giant dictionary, so you can, it's, it's all organized uh, alphabetically. So I've been looking at the pretty pictures, but uh, so I'm assuming that the uh, the components are up to the usual fantasy flight standard of uh, awesomeness. Yeah, it's great. It it borrows ideas from all the other Star Wars products. It uses cardboard stands and acrylic standees, uh, kind of like uh, Rebellion does. Uh, uses a lot of the art from all the games, um, and everything looks fabulous and beautiful. And there is a ton of stuff in the box, which is funny because you run through a lot of it um, kind of quickly because there's just so much to do. There's so many things to buy. There's so many places to go. There's so many adventures to have. Inevitably, you are going to start to see some of the stuff a second time, especially on longer games. But long term, I don't see this as being an issue because they've they've so intelligently designed it that everything is going to you're going to be able to boost this game with expansion so very, very easily. And you more than get your money's worth out of the out of the initial game. Anything off in the execution? Not a thing. I adore this game like in every way, shape and form. I love, loved playing this game. It's super narrative. Every time you play, it's kind of like a, a Tales of the Arabian Nights uh, sort of game where every time you play, you're going to just create a different story for your character. And it, the, the adventure is going to be so specific to that that particular playthrough. 
And that's one of the greatest things that it does. So you mentioned there's single player rules and the rules say it can go up to four players. So where, where does it hit its mark? Is it, you know, does it play at all levels or should you really try to play it with four players? I think that this game shines and is best when there's a lot of things going on and a lot of people having adventures, because then you're starting to pull at all the same resources uh, and and starting to, to take stuff away from each other. And that's where a game about smugglers and, you know, miscreants on the outer rim really ramps up. So I, I think that that's the, the more the merrier with this game. Safe to say you had fun. Is there any one last thing you forgot to say about this game? Nothing I forgot to say. I, I mean, like I would sum it up like this. If you're a fan of having unique and interesting adventures, buy this game. If you're a Star Wars fan and especially love the Outer Rim, buy this game. I I don't have anything negative to say about the game. It's just so much fun and it's so narrative. And the greatest part is every time you play it, you're telling a completely different novel. So your your experience is going to be different. And this is the kind of game where it's not just I won this game. I did so good. This is a game where you're like, oh my gosh, I went to Kessel and I did the Kessel run and that ended up getting me over to this planet where I broke out some some prisoners and then I, I really pissed the huts off. So then the huts started chasing me around and I had this happen. And, you know, every time you play the game, you're going to be creating this whole brand new novella just for yourself. Nice. All right, well, that is Star Wars Outer Rim, the new Star Wars hotness board game from Fantasy Flight Games. And that, of course, means that we are... At the end of another episode, Robert. Of what? Of the podcast. The Forgot My Dice po- of Oh, oh, I was confused. Don't you be. U- use your- Don't be. No. Okay. That's fair. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We will always want to hear from you. Uh, I'm especially curious if anybody else is out there has played Outer Rim. I would love to hear about some of your uh, tales from the Outer Rim and, and how that has gone. Uh, as always, Robert, I'm going to turn to you one last time and ask you, are there any final thoughts? Hey, Jonathan, uh, I, I'm a terrible person and I completely forgot to uh, do, talk about this at the top of the podcast because uh, I did all our notes in the last 15 minutes because I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. You? Yeah, me. No way, huh? My dear, dear friend Brandon, who I don't want to spoil Dragon uh, Quest uh, Builders 2 for, so we're not going to talk about that. Uh, he, he uh, the ID10T podcast, formerly known as the Nerdist podcast, uh, has a cork board where at the top of the show, people just submit whatever they want to submit and he'll read it out loud. And Brandon wrote copy, which is what uh, was read out loud. And they talked about our podcast on it. So thank you, Brandon. That was super sweet. Indeed. Super awesome. Thank you so much. That was a like legit good commercial, wasn't it? It's better than anything you and I could come up with. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I work in bad sci-fi references and Hellraiser. Can't forget the Hellraiser. Uh, we we should hire Brandon to do our copy. <laughs> and by hire, we mean <laughs> pay you nothing because that's basically our. Budget. Let me rephrase. We should intern Brandon to write our copy. <laughs> intern, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Scoops ahoy indeed, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, there is a gift card for one beautiful USS Butterscotch in your future. Have you had that yet? Have you had it? No, I haven't had a chance to go, but I did download that video game. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. Oh, you need to go Baskin Robbins, man. It's so good. I know. God, there's words I never thought I'd say <laughs> in my entire life. I really need to go to the Baskin Robbins. Nice. 
I can't wait till next year when I get to legitimately say things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's my final thought. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mention at the top. I, I, I literally threw this together about 15 minutes before. Because <laughs> I'm, build, I'm, building, I'm building my hotel in the Luxor. It's more like a motel. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. I'm going to put a fish tank in it, Jonathan. I'm going to put a... Th- oh, my God. Stop it. Yeah, one of the DLCs. You can make an aquarium. I'm going to put a two-story fish tank in it. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to put two stories of sadness in my... Just, I miss you. That's called bourbon, sir. And you can mix... It mixes well with a lot of things. <laughs> no, that's two... That's two fingers, not two stories. If you have two stories of bourbon, that's called alcohol. <laughs> that's called death. Truth. <laughs> yeah, that's called... That's called the morgue. <laughs> Or my 20s, either way. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I did not make good life choices back then. Moving right along. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast, which, which means there's only one thing left to do, Robert. Be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 